0: This is the Nebraska Greats, a weekly podcast as a service to the Nebraska Greats Foundation, which serves former collegiate athletes facing medical needs and financial challenges. Your tax-deductible contribution will change the life of a former college sports hero. Please give online at negreats.org.
1: And now, here's your host, Jim Rose. Thanks, Matt Tompkins. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our weekly podcast, Nebraska Greats, a service of the Nebraska Greats Foundation. We serve former letter winners from all 16 four-year schools in the state of Nebraska who have a medical emergency and a financial challenge. Uh, At no time do any proceeds go directly to the recipient, just to their providers. You can learn more online at negreats.org. We are joined in this recruiting season by one of the most recognizable voices and faces of University of Nebraska football. It's a thrill to have Sean Callahan of HuskerOnline.com, KETV Channel 7, and News Radio 1110 KFAB with us. Sean, we are coming up on the end of the recruiting season. Uh, it started in December and then concludes in February with the now late signing day. In your view, first of all, thanks for joining us. And in your view, tell us about the overall recruiting landscape, not just for Nebraska, but for Division I college football as a whole right now.
0: Well, I, I think this year, the recruiting um, scene was about as there was about as little drama, Jim, as we've ever seen at this time of the year. And really, the drama was the transfer portal. And I think if you were to pull away a piece that's cam- come away from recruiting this year, it's the impact that number one, the extra year of eligibility is going to have on everybody's roster going forward. And then number two, the transfer portal in January, where January turned into this hot stove season for college football where are like, we needed a receiver, we needed a running back. And Nebraska went out and um, they got Samari Torre and, and Marquis Stepp. Um, they got an inside linebacker out of the portal earlier in the year. And Chris Kolarvik, um, the best defensive player in Northern Iowa, um, that will be a two deep guy right away. So you, you look at that, I, I think the coach is also not being on the road really um, took away some of the pop that you normally would see in January because you would have that late Nick Saban in-home visit or Jim Harbaugh in the living room on the last hour and and that would cause like a lot of you know good theater and recruiting and this year you know I, I think we're all over Zooms by this point Um after 11 months of doing Zooms and meetings and, and kids are probably the same way too because that, that's been recruiting for a lot of these kids if they weren't able to get somewhere Jim and january february or early march um, of 2020 odds are they had have not even been on the campus that they've committed to um so everything was just different And, and, and as we know that's the world we live in right everything is different
1: um about 2020 and now the early parts of 2021. so the the real question in the i think in the minds of most fans and not just nebraska fans but every school had guys in the transfer portal Most recently, the kid from Oklahoma, Bookie Radley-Hiles, he gets in, and this is a three-year starter. So I think the question that's in the minds of so many fans is, okay, is this the start of a new trend because of COVID-19, or was this, in your view, just a one-year
0: aberration? Um, No, it's the start of a new trend. I mean, the game is never going to be the same in that sense. Everybody wanted these kids to have full transfer rights. Everyone wants these kids to get paid. And they got it. It's going to happen. And it's going to cause a lot of ripple effects on everything else with college football and college athletics, particularly the the two revenue sports of football um, and basketball on the men's side um, where you know you're, the immediate eligibility. And you wonder what, what it's going to do to the group of five and the FCS level because if there's really, really good players like Samari Torrey or Chris Kolarovic are they just going to leave the group of five or the FCS and go down to the power five and be, be ruled immediately eligible? And, um, it, you know, especially when the name, image, name image and likeness money is going to be greater at some of these places that they could transfer to. So that's a whole nother element. And I do think Nebraska will benefit off that when it gets finalized. We don't know what the rules are going to be and, and, and whatnot, but the fact that there's going to be a revenue piece and, a lot of people don't know this, Jim. The kids already are getting paid. I mean, they they do get a stipend check. Like Luke McCaffrey, since he was not doing training table and he put his name on the portal on the second day of classes, he'll get $1,600 a month tax-free. Um, and my wife was joking. "You, that, That's more than a first-year teacher makes on her paycheck after taxes. Um, Which is a
1: whole separate issue unto itself, but your point is clear. <laughs> but
0: yeah, these kids, I mean, they're getting money. Like, yeah. At Nebraska, if you're a regular student on Greek Row like you and I were, you couldn't earn $1,600 a month or if you tried to work. I mean, you could bartend at the Brass Rail and have every good Friday night of the month and not not make that kind of coin. Um, But you'd probably have more fun doing that than uh, being a football player. But these kids do get money, um, but evidently it's not enough. I mean, I I think there's a cry that these top-level guys want what's theirs now. And so that's going to cause a lot of issues that we don't even know what they're going to be. But trust me, Jim, it's going to cause issues.
1: It's very frightening to traditionalists of college football because our model and something that you've observed and I've observed for years is, look, the kid gets recruited. He comes to campus. He's here four to five years. He grows physically, spiritually, mentally, mentally. Uh, he's part of a culture of unity where guys come through the ranks together. And what worries me, Sean, about this new trend in college football—and there's no way to stop it—the NC2A had many opportunities to slow this down or change it, and they refused to. They just kept getting beat in court, and that's what really foretold of this this day and age we we currently reside in. But uh, you know what makes a great team is a class of kids who go through the scout team together, red shirt together get together for three or four years in winter conditioning and off season conditioning. Well, suddenly if the new game is like the NFL, free agents and roster turnover every year, what does that say about the capacity for teams to actually build consistent winners outside of right now, the top five programs or top 10 programs?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to make you appreciate the Wisconsin's and the Iowa's even that much more, because I think if you recruit kind of a three-star caliber guy, with the upside to become a pro that's probably what Nebraska needs to look at more where if you recruit kind of a higher profile guy that has higher demands, it's going to be hard. And and I think Nebraska learned that with a few of these Miami kids. I mean, they, they expected to kind of cut corners and still play on Saturdays and it just didn't work out. I mean, in Francois and Fleming, those guys were really talented players. Like they're going to have a shot someday to probably go pro. Uh, but they didn't want to do all the little things and they the minute they didn't get their way or things they didn't like things, they left. and uh, th- that's gonna happen more and more now with the, the portal. And I think what's different now, Jim, compared to the 90s and the 80s and even the early 2000s, is there's an ways to immediately contact people now, whether it's Twitter, text messaging, um, you know kids, you know back in the day, it took work to actually track somebody down and get a hold of somebody on the phone if you were upset about the game on Saturday. Now you could say, like that second, you could reach out to that person. So I, I just think there's more people in the ears of these kids that aren't even in Lincoln or in Madison or in these cities that say, you know, you ought to go here. This coach is screwing you over. And and these kids are 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. So that I, I think they are a little bit more vulnerable to to listen. I and mean, you can argue with Wandell Robinson. There are probably you know he he had a situation with his mother that he wanted to get back home but i do think there were some people in his ear that said you don't need to be playing in this nebraska offense they're going to keep trying to use you as a running back and you don't need that and and then you know it made it easy
1: for easier for him to leave nebraska for kentucky visiting with Sean Callahan this is one of the most recognizable personalities associated with not just nebraska football but college football in the big 10 conference longtime recruiting analyst and recruiting reporter and a sports reporter for HuskerOnline.com. Sean has over 90,000 Twitter followers. He also contributes commentary on KFAB Radio in Omaha and on KETV Channel 7 in Omaha and Channel 1011 in Lincoln. Uh, He's with us on the Nebraska Greats podcast. Sean, I want you to evaluate in your mind what I think is also a growing trend in recruiting that we saw in full color. I mean, HD with Avante Dickerson, the kid from Westside, the by some the one or two ranked recruit in nebraska high school football this past year depending on the poll you tend to subscribe to but this guy made i thought a very insightful and quite revealing revelation when he announced his intention to go to oregon now this is a guy who has great ball skills he runs a 43740 he's got instincts for the ball when it's in flight and he said i'm not rejecting nebraska or minnesota where he initially uh, committed to I'm rejecting the Big Ten Conference because I want to go to a league where they throw the ball 50 or 60 times a game every week, not maybe once or twice, but every team in the Pac-12 will put it in the air 40 or 50 times a game. If I'm in the Big Ten, they might put it in the air 20 or 25 times a game, and it might come my way five times. This guy was very strategic. Are you seeing that more and more, or was that just a rare individual who – was mature beyond his years. Um,
0: Yeah, that's rare. And Avante Dickerson is different in the sense. I I don't think he grew up watching a lot of college football as a kid. I don't think he had a team that he rooted for. Um, And I I think he just went into it, you know, with a completely open mind because he didn't have a connection to Nebraska or the program. He lives in Nebraska. He's got friends going into the program, AJ Rollins and Thomas Fedoni and, you know, Kobe Brett is his best friend. So that was probably the lure Nebraska had, if he could get those guys to convince him to come. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Avante always wanted to do something differently. And you're right, he's not a big physical guy. He's probably closer to 5'11", um, and he's probably around 170, 175 pounds. He's not a big physical uh, November and Madison tackling corner. Um, yeah, and, and I, He's probably right. He fits the Pac-12 conference a little bit better in that style. Oregon's a speed school. He's a speed player. Um, But it did surprise a lot of folks. He went out to Oregon and that really changed things uh, with him. But still, Nebraska had a very good year in state, even with or without Amante. Now, Keegan Johnson's a loss. Honestly, if you were to ask me which one might be the bigger loss, I think Keegan Johnson from Bellevue West is right up there, too. And he's going to be a thorn in the side for the Huskers at Iowa. He was I was asked this on Big Red Wrap Up on Wednesday night, excuse me, Thursday night, and I said um, he was probably the MVP of Class A football this past year. When you look at what Keegan Johnson did as a receiver, as a wildcat, uh, there there was no better player in Class A Nebraska high school football. Um, they just ran into a tough deal against Carney, a team that they had blown out earlier. Otherwise, we would we would have seen that West Side versus Bellevue West state championship game.
1: Uh, you and I need to have a beer over this. I think Cole Payton was the MVP of Nebraska Class A football this year, the quarterback from West Side. But then again, I just, I, I love multi-sport guys. Uh, I think if he had decided baseball is his sport as a left-hander, he could have very easily been a draft prospect out of high school, certainly a, an outstanding baseball prospect. And I think the best athlete in Nebraska that I saw this year, and I didn't see nearly as many as you did, is Kobe Bretts. I think Kobe Bretts, is as gifted a a, a physical specimen at this stage of his life at at the age of 17 or 18 that I have seen in a long, long time. Amon Green was in this boat. Larry Station was in this boat. Uh, John Hess was in this boat. But as a pure athlete, I thought Kobe Bretts was really unbelievably head and shoulders above others. Uh, But we'll see how he turns out. I was talking to Chris Brown, former Husker kicker the other day, and you know, Chris played college football after playing high school football. He was actually an option quarterback, as you know, Sean. And he said, okay, now we're going to find out which guys are serious about becoming football players. Because it's pretty easy in high school compared to college. But the jump from high school to college purges a lot of super high school players. They go, uh, can't do this, don't want to do this, don't commit to this. And this is also an issue that coaches, and you can speak to this too, Sean. This is an issue coaches have never really had to battle before. There are so many other distractions for a young person today. Football or sports used to be the sole objective of a high school athlete. Now they have five or six or seven different things that, that they're excited about. Music, culture, you know, working, earning a living. Uh, who knows? Uh, but it's not the same. And it's hard to sometimes find the kid who's purely focused on the next step in his athletic career,
0: yeah, just the getting that Instagram moment captured is sometimes this is as important as the game for some of these kids, <laughs> and, yeah. and you, there are a lot more distractions. And I, I know at Nebraska they have a rule that um, when you're in the weight room, when you're in the locker room, um, you're really not supposed to have your your phone out, and you're not supposed to be taking pictures and videos and sharing that to the free world. That's kind of sacred territory yeah. that you're not allowed to, you know, capture and. You know, bring the camera in. Like, here's me going in the weight room today. Check everybody. I mean, they don't want kids doing that, and yeah. um, you know, I, I think that is a battle that will obviously be there for a long time. I mean, that that's just a part of how the kids are today.
1: Visiting with Sean Callahan from HuskerOnline.com, KETV, KFAB, uh, and uh, one of the most recognizable uh, connections to University of Nebraska football from not just in Nebraska but around the world. A lot of Husker fans all all over the world. What's your take? Sean, on the overall condition of the fan base right now, uh, it's pretty obvious that uh, expectations have not been met. And these are not the fans' expectations. These are Scott Frost's expectations. But in your view, a third straight losing season was tough to, to swallow, even in a pandemic. But now we're looking at a fairly challenging 2021. That'd be four consecutive losing seasons for Coach Frost. No Nebraska football coach in history could have ever survived that, certainly in the modern era. But... How close to the edge do you think the fan base is and what do they need this year other than obviously a winning season maybe contending for the Big Ten West is going to say to them, hey, we're making the right progress. I'm okay.
0: I mean, here's the issue, Jim. They had essentially three empty recruiting classes in a row. 2016, 17, and 18 really did not produce a lot, particularly 17 and 18. And that's the top of the roster right now as far as veterans. And when you don't have... When you have kind of an empty gap in your in your classes like that, and you try to bring in transfers, and you try to maybe take a chance on some character guys like Maurice Washington, um, and it backfires, it backfires. And I think Nebraska and Scott Frost, when he first got here, they took a few flyers uh, on some kids. And as we know, it didn't work out very well uh, with some of these guys that they brought in. And it set them back and it set the culture back and and just different things happen and obviously winning matters. And um, then you've got a former player element now where a lot of these guys from the 90s um, chirp to a lot of people, whether it's on sports radio, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's behind the scenes and text message chains. And so there's a lot more elements. I'm guessing in, in 91, Jerry Taggy wasn't going on KFAB um, <laughs> talking on I don't even know what our programming no. was in 91, but <laughs> I I don't think the, 71, the same team, <laughs> 71 team was not going on the radio and tra- trashing. Um, I'm trying to think oh. about players on those early nineties teams for
1: Nebraska. Okay. Yeah. Mike you grant, wouldn't have seen you. Yeah. You wouldn't have seen Jerry Taggy say, my grant has no business playing here or Keith McCann has not been well coached or, Um, Derek Brown is out of position. You're not going to see that. This is a whole new world. Uh, and if you've gone 20 years between conference championships like Nebraska has, it tends to start feeding the aggrieved. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's harder now in the big
0: 10. I mean, Nebraska is playing nine conference games plus a power five non-con. So they play 10 power five games in a league where every coach essentially is paid $4 million or more now. Um, four, like I think 3.8 or 3.9 is the low bar of salaries for Big Ten head coaches. So it's not the old days anymore where the I- Iowa State coach was making about what the UNO coach made. <laughs> I mean, the, yeah. the, the level of the bar has been raised because of the money. And that's why Nebraska joined this league, The stability. Well, guess what? Everybody gets that same $55 million a year from the league. And they've been able to build facilities. They've been able to hire support staffs. They pay their coaches a lot more. I mean, assistant coaches in the Big Ten probably make around four hundred thousand a piece on average. Coordinators make eight hundred to a million on average. Where you know you go to the Big Twelve, shave a hundred grand off that assistant coach salary, shave two hundred to three hundred off that coordinator salary. So I, I think the league is elevated, and Nebraska has had a hard time catching up or elevating with it where it matters and stability matters. They need to stick with a coach and a system for longer than three years, and it's painful to, to say we got to go another year, we got to go another year. But there is no shortcut to this. If if you blow this up, look at Tennessee. Look how many transfers they just had again. And who the I mean, Josh Heupel is a is, is set up to fail. Like, do you really think Josh Heupel is going to get it done? And, and that's realistically where Nebraska be if they say fired Scott Frost. Who's going to want that job? You're going to get to your sixth, seventh option. It's just going to be a guy that, like Mike Riley again, that's going to set it back again. And, you know, it, th- th- as hard it is, as it is, you've got to just see this through and hope that the roster they're building on the bottom up classes 2019, 20, and now 21 is the right direction. And I do think it is. I, I believe this 21 class um, ranked inside the top 20 with only like five, four stars. Um, is, is one of the better classes they've had because it's just a bunch of Midwest kids. It's the 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 core of the guys want to be here. Like Eric Schnander told me last week, because we had our meeting one day with all the newcomers and we got 15 inches of snow. And every one of those kids showed up and not even one of them brought up the snow. They just sat down and we had the meeting. It was no big deal. But if you had those four or five Miami kids, it probably be a little bit different. Um, meeting yeah. for some of those kids trying to get into the facility that day. And um, so I, I think they're learning there's a right kind of guy to get to Nebraska. And sure, these Florida kids are faster probably than some of the kids you want to bring in, more athletic. But if they don't want to be here and if their agendas are different and whatnot, it's hard to win with those type of kids. And I think they're trying to find the guys that they believe want
1: to be here now. See, and I believe, and I subscribe to this notion, just knowing knowing human character as I do and as I've noticed and as I've as I've observed watching teams through the years, good ones, exceptional ones, mediocre ones, And if you look around college football today, you see this, you see this at Iowa state, you see this at Wisconsin, you see this in those programs that are so-called classified as overachievers that in this new world where the transfer portal allows people to be disgruntled and act on it the very next day. uh, If you bring in kids that are developmental kids, larger number of developmental kids like Wisconsin has Northwestern does Iowa state. If you do that, two things happen. One, to your point, these kids come here with something to prove. Uh, They were not ballyhooed. They were not hyped. So they want to come here and prove that they should have been. That's the first thing. The second thing is because of number one, they are inclined to stay and stick it through uh, because they don't have this notion of, well, okay, I'm really good. Anybody will take me. So they're less inclined to want to book, earn their stripes, do what they want to do. So now when you put them on the field against teams made up of a bunch of those kind of entitlement thinking guys, you get into the fourth quarter. We all know who wins the ball game in the fourth quarter. The team that hangs together, believes in each other, and believes in what they're doing. And if you've invested three years, two and a half, three years into this thing, you're going to be there in the fourth quarter. But if you showed up because a coach maybe told you you were going to get more playing time without having to earn it or you know you can you know jump and head to any school in a Power Five conference that you want tomorrow, or you think you do, we all know what that looks like on the field. So I think in, in something of a roundabout way, going through the old Nebraska system, which is sort of what we were talking about, because Wisconsin has now perfected it, it's going to pay off for you in ways that probably Nebraska fans can't really imagine right now, because we haven't won in so long. Well, and for Coach Frost, he's lucky in the sense
0: that he's got a president, he's got a chancellor, he's got an AD, and he's got a board of regents that are all behind him. And people ask me all the time, like, is he on the hot seat? I'm like, no, he's not on the hot seat right now because not one person that matters has actually spoken out that he's on the clock. And, you know, we saw timelines play out like Harvey Perlman basically forced Tom Osborne's retirement and then he hired Sean Eichhorst without Tom Osborne's advisement. That was Bo Pelini's notice that he was on the clock and that you know that that, that this was over. We saw Hank Bounds when he was the president step over Ronnie Green and fire Sean Eichhorst and then they they hired Bill Moose. That was kind of like this Mike Riley thing's not working. Right now, we're not even close to that at all. Like, there would have to be a massive leadership structure change. Um, And the leadership of Nebraska is willing to see this through. They've got a lot of money invested. And I think people are smart enough to know that, like, look, yeah, there's been a couple screw-ups, but we still believe in what's going on here. And we know that, you know, Nebraska could be just like Tennessee right now pretty easily. So, they better you know, figure this out and, and give coach Frost one, two more years to, to figure this out. Otherwise um, you just don't disaster. Know. It's yeah. a disaster. And who, who wants the job at that point? I mean, who who are you going to go out and get at that point? That's going to appease this fan base.
1: Well, I do believe a uh, very fair point. I do believe there are a lot of great coaches out there that nobody's ever heard of that would do a great job, but that's less important than sending a message of stability recognizing this is the Big Ten Conference. You don't rebuild programs overnight in the Big Ten Conference. That long-term stability is extremely important in attracting and retaining recruits and building confidence in the fan base. And I think that's the, the, tack, the track Nebraska has to be on now. And thankfully, we have leadership, I think you're right, that believes that. You just cannot, you can't do the reset button on a football staff at a place like Nebraska and expect this thing to turn around in one year. And if you're getting players that can do that in one year, you are mortgaging the future of your program because those dudes are not going to be there for you. Well, Sean, thanks a ton for being here today. Appreciate all your work, and thanks for helping out on the Nebraska Greats podcast today.
0: Hey, thank you, Jim. It was great to be on.
1: That's Sean Callahan from HuskerOnline.com, KFAB Radio, and KETV Channel 7. Follow Sean on Twitter at Sean Callahan. And thank you for joining us for this edition of the Nebraska Greats. This has been Nebraska Greats, a weekly podcast serving the Nebraska Greats
0: Foundation. You can find each episode on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Play, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Please give generously to serve Nebraska's former sports heroes in need at anygreats.org, And be sure to follow the
1: AnyGreats Greats on Facebook and Twitter.